Munich, Madripoor, Latvia, not to be confused with Latveria, the boys are going international. And with a prison break, a dread style hit squad, John Wick Gunfu, and a Walter White secret laboratory, are we sure we're in the right franchise here? <laughs> but whatever, just shut up. Don't question anything and enjoy the absurdity that is episode, episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome to MCU Pod, a companion podcast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Grant Davis. Mike is away in an alleyway investigating some vibranium balls. But we are joined once again by the TVDudes.com and owner of Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games, comic shop here in Round Rock, Texas, Mr. Randy Lander. Hey, yo. Randy, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to need some, some comic book expertise here. Oh, I got thoughts. Oh, nice. Um, we are joined by yet another TV dude from the TVDudes.com podcast, our buddy Kyle Scott, Mr. Kyle Scott. Gosh, great, great to be here. Thank you for having me. This is yeah, going to be fun. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and then we're joined by my buddy and indie comic creator from Hyper, hypercastle.com, Will Cardini. Hey, everybody. Or do you prefer William? Uh, Will's good. Mr. Mr. William Cardini. <laughs> Mr. Cardini. <laughs> Just, my friends call me Mr. Cardini. <laughs> Gotta get the respect. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be discussing, as I mentioned, episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And every week we broadcast our episodes live via YouTube right here. So uh, if you can, we'd love to have you guys join us by going to youtube.com slash MCU pod and absolutely obliterating that subscribe button just smash smashy smash you can also hit that little uh bell icon that's a notification thing so every time we do go live you're notified and you can come uh join us on the show join us on the chat we appreciate you guys popping in like rich murphy here to say hello all you beautiful people hello to you beautiful rich <laughs> and um a few more notes i'm going to go through as, as we allow people a little more time to to jump into the chat um, yeah, you can subscribe to us. I already hit that. Um, you can find us over at mcupod.com. A way to help out the podcast is to go and rate and review us over on Apple or wherever you, you listen to your podcast. But it seems like most people listen to us over on Apple. Um, so if you're already listening at the, to the podcast there, just go and give that five-star rating, write a little review, give your thoughts on the show. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too cruel, hopefully. And uh, we appreciate all, all of the support there. If you guys are feeling like going the extra mile and you guys want to give us some financial support, you can go to patreon.com slash MCU pod. And there you can make a monthly pledge of two bucks, five bucks or 10 bucks, allowing you to join the defenders at the two buck range, the revengers at the five buck range or the Avengers at 10 bucks. Um, just this last week, we, uh, we did a little, um, Snyder Cut review, Mike and I, and uh, Rich Murphy actually joined us from uh, Patreon. It was a lot of fun. And um, uh, the other day I, I got on just to give some drunk rambling thoughts on um, what was going on with the Flag Smashers. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash MCU pod. We appreciate the support. Um, all right, let's go and dive into this week's episode. Power Broker. Pay attention to that name is the third episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, written by Derek Kolstad and directed once again by Carrie Skogland. The synopsis, the IMDb synopsis for this episode is, 
to find the source of the super soldier serum and alliteration there. Sam and Bucky must scale a ladder of lowlifes, starting in Madripoor with Zemo. It's a little confused because Zemo, they found him in jail in Munich. Whatever. <laughs> we start the discussion the same way every episode. And I hope you guys are ready for some snap judgments. it's time we're gonna let um will will you're gonna go ahead and kick things off here uh give us your snap judgment what do you think of both this episode as well as uh the series thus far since you haven't been on an episode before of the big three plot lines superheroes versus aliens superheroes versus androids and superheroes versus wizards i'm at aliens (laughs) or wizards or preferably alien wizards kind of guy so I wasn't necessarily looking forward to this show as much as something as like WandaVision or Endgame back when that came out, but I've enjoyed it. I, I was kind of, you know, it didn't have that same hook of the gimmick uh, that WandaVision did, but it's just like a really well-crafted show. And I'm enjoying the the bromance between, or frenemy bromance <laughs> between Sam and Bucky. And uh, I I also appreciate kind of taking a look at racial justice and speaking about some of that a little bit in there, you know, more than maybe I expected it to. So, and this episode was great because you also brought Zemo into that uh, relationship between Bucky and Sam, and he was kind of a good third person for them to bounce off of. And all those scenes were really entertaining. And then it was really cool to finally see Madripoor. I used to read a lot of Wolverine comics back in the day, and, you know, he's always hanging out there and seeing it on, my tiny screen was nice. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what was your snap judgment? Gosh, overall for the season, I got to say, initially going from something like WandaVision to this, uh, the, the most jarring thing tonally was like the color palette because WandaVision had like such a like rich color palette. Um, and this is just like not only uh, can be different, darker, but the same, you know, for all of these episodes, um, just from like a visual standpoint, but it didn't take like the two minutes uh, to see like the interactions between uh, uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, Anthony Mackie to realize like, uh, like the legal weapon of it all. And it really reminded me of like a time when uh, these buddy cop action movies weren't sold silly by the names, which is kind of funny to say about this because, you know, Marvel is so insanely popular. But it does seem that over the past couple of decades, the buddy cop action movie has been dominated by like, you know, big name celebrities. Let's pair them up. You know, oh, it's Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds. Like, who cares if you don't remember what the movie's about? You know, you know who those guys are. And this is like, no, I'm remembering all of these beats. I love the interactions with these characters. And then all of the rich are like layered on top of that. It's just even more fantastic. Uh, this week's episode, getting to see Zemo finally. So scared it was going to be one of those things where the entire episode, he's sitting behind like glass, you know, doing Riddler stuff at us the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. To see like the whole reveal about how, uh, how it gets out and kind of joins our team. And then even if it might have been cheesy for a moment to see him don the mask later on, I was just like suspension of disbelief, you know, be damned. That was so awesome uh, to kind of see him put like kind of a more action smackdown. Um, overall, just really great. And kind of like a, uh, a 
redemption for uh, Sharon Carter in terms of like, oh no, this character has some dimension to her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Randy, what'd you think? So you know how not everything can be for everybody. This I feel like was made a hundred percent for me because it's a it's like a mixture of Mark Grunewald's Captain America, which is one of my first comics that I ever fell in love with. It's buddy cop action movies, which I adore. It's the Captain America universe, which is some of my favorite sub-universe of the MCU. And then we go into like crazy espionage, uh, like Wakanda secret agent territory. It's it really is like they're like, hey, what did Randy like with the Marvel Universe? Let's do that. Uh, it is. I am I am full on in love with this show. Uh, every episode, I uh, love it more and more. I can't believe some of the nods we're getting to to sort of semi obscure comic stuff, and I just absolutely love what they did in sort of like Kyle already mentioned, fleshing out Sharon Carter and fleshing out Zemo, who both were good but sort of one note. They were they were there to serve a very small part in a in a bigger story. And in this, they are big parts of a smaller story. And I think that that makes a huge difference. Randy, I don't want to get you too excited, but my understanding is that this is a backdoor reboot for Terriers, the TV show. <laughs> so, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at this point. <laughs> Just so that it hits on everything you've ever it wanted. It is. It's like everything I ever wanted. <laughs> uh, before I jump into my snap judgment, we got some from the viewers. I was going to hit on some of these. Rich Murphy says, Daniel Brule should be allowed to chew as much scenery as he wants. Hell yeah. Garen says, I felt like I was watching an episode of Alias. I missed <laughs> that show. Zemo stole the episode. Will Morris says, Sam casually name dropping a super soldier in the presence of someone who kills super soldiers. <laughs> Seems like an odd choice. Not when you realize that Sam doesn't like that super soldier. <laughs> um, Nicole Jackson says, uh, there was way too little of Sharon, and I'm rather annoyed that we still don't know anything about Carly. I, I mean, I think we know a little bit more, but yeah. And uh, oh, Rich, Rich has one more. Uh, I also really appreciate that they're letting the different worlds cross rather than having the heroes siloed off into their own works. I was not expecting that Wakandan ending. Neither was I. I thought that was going to be a name drop. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, we're going to do spoilers. <laughs> That's going to happen. Uh, yeah. uh, for my part, I think that um, overall, there's a lot of fun in this episode. But for me, it required um, a bit of suspension of disbelief because they were pushing through plotline and uh, some, some silly shenanigans were happening with um, with the prison break. And with uh, just a few other sequences that I was like, what? <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. I'll, I'll let it go. But I don't know. There, there's just, there's, there's, um, they are put on alert as everyone in Madripoor be on the lookout for these two guys and kill them. There's a bounty. And Sharon's like, hey, just hang out at my party where you know bad <laughs> steal art and shit. <laughs> whatever i, I no, just thought it was ridiculous grant that was at high town high town and low town are very different i guess mm -hmm. they covered <laughs> it they did they covered it it's all line <laughs> all right well let's let's start let's start there let's start with the well not there let's start with the prison break yeah <laughs> um, the boys the boys go over to visit zemo and bucky pulls a complete bait and switch of like Hey, now that we're in the building, walking down the hallway, really about to see him, something I could have told you 
a long time ago, I'm going to go in alone. I'm <laughs> 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 going, what? You could have told me out in the car. You could have told me before I drove over here. Hanging out in Munich. But, um, yeah, what would you guys think of the prison break sequence? Um, Will. It would have been a really entertaining. Well, I was going to say, it would have been really funny if that whole sequence ended with, shit, he brainwashed me again. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I see that coming? <laughs> You're definitely, like, worried about that. <laughs> right. Do you think that there's this moment where they're in Madripoor and you see, um, you see that Zemo has um, activated uh, Bucky mm -hmm. to fight all those people. And after the end of it, like Sam has this like genuine moment of like, like, like brotherhood, like friendship where he's like, Hey man, are you okay? Cause he knows that like him moving into that mode, even though he's not actually active is something mm -hmm. to be on the lookout for like mm -hmm. as a friend. And I, I felt that moment. I was like, Oh, that's good. That he's yeah. checking in on his buddy and making sure he's okay. Yeah. Well, and it's like when they're back home, they can be at each other's throats, but it's like when you're in the middle of it or where you're surrounded by like all these seedy people, it's like, oh yeah, you're kind of my brother in arms. Yeah. 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 I mean, basically what I had to take away from that prison break scene is they clearly did not want to dedicate a whole lot of time to explaining whatever machinations they needed to justify getting him out of there. <laughs> no, it was it was fast. It was a Fast and the Furious style jailbreak. It was the whole point of it yeah. was to do a fun little sequence. But like they could have skipped the whole thing if they didn't want to do that fun sequence. Because basically the whole point is, yeah, Zemo's out of jail with us now. Like, don't think too hard about it. We're just going to go on. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was like, wait, did Bucky go there twice? Like, did he come back, or did he like go back and deliver the library book later? Like, yeah, I don't know. Did he already was... have this little rolled up note? And why is Bucky? a person who was a world-known assassin <laughs> allowed to walk through Gen of prison with a bunch of prisoners. Like, <laughs> pardon, man. Those pardons are crazy. You gotta yeah, be careful. It's, it's very binding, yeah. I guess, but he like, already had a rolled up note to like drop in and instigate a fight, knowing that the whole timing... Whatever, like I said. It is kind of maniacal to think that Zemo had this whole plan and he had this one little rolled up note. I'd like to think he had like 50 notes like all tucked <laughs> away like for different people who come. He's like, oh, let me make sure I got the right one here. Okay, Bucky. Yeah, if that guy had pulled up the, pulled up the note and it said, do you like me, yes or no, check this box, it would have been really embarrassing. Just, oh, shit, I got the wrong note, damn it. Give, give me that one back, give me that one back. Give me that one back, here, then give me yeah, this yeah. one. Yeah, so, so they... Thinks... Good. You think Zemo like orchestrated all that? Because I wasn't sure if it was like Bucky, that was all Bucky's idea or Zemo's idea. I thought it was Bucky. I thought oh. it was Bucky the whole thing. It seemed like it was Bucky, especially when he says, Hey, what are you reading? Yeah. Like, he's basically leading Zemo to, Hey, go check out your book. Cause yep. I slipped something sneaky in there. <laughs> oh, no. I it was a Mac Machiavelli book. Come which, on. by yeah. the way, which actually. <laughs> That, that book that, is much smaller in real life. Yes, <laughs> like, it's yes, it is. It's like this then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like that was a little fuck you from Bucky. He's like, yeah, you read Machiavelli. Of course you do. That's who you are. <laughs> yeah, I totally thought it was uh, Zemo who orchestrated that. I guess I, uh, I missed the cue on it. No, just Zemo was ready to go ahead. And, I mean, I, I get that Zemo is a highly 
capable like special he was a special ops guy even though even though he was a baron's kid who's flying on private jets he also <laughs> is able to um cause a lot of destruction as we saw in um in madripoor at the with, with all the whatever boxes yeah, <laughs> yeah. shipping containers boxes um when he, he blows up everything and like has the mask on and everything um he he's capable of of being you know, going toe to toe with some of the deadliest like killers out there. Mm-hmm. So I guess sure he can steal a jacket. Was there anything unique about this jacket that he stole, uh, Randy? That had the back that was like Justice. No, that's just I, that's just the name of the the guard. I think that was okay. we I see him later. Know. Yeah, I, I thought maybe you were gonna like be like, well, in uh, issue two forty-seven. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no, but the the costume he does wear his like fur color fur fur jacket. That is that is a such a great nod to his costume in the comics. I was so happy to see it because uh, they didn't really give him any kind of costume uh, in in Civil War, and in this he's got that. He's got the mask, and he's wearing like a yeah. purple shirt. They definitely did a nod to the to the Baron Zemo in the comics. It's not quite as outlandish because that that costume is pretty pretty out there, but I I love it. But it's pretty out there. But it was it was the good sort of MCU nod to that costume. I thought. So is yeah. he just wearing a purple ski mask? Or was that because it was like in that car, right? So he yeah. was that ready. Yeah, I, I bet it's got. It's supposed to be like his family mask or something like that. Wait, Isn't yeah, the gold gun part of the costume too? Because uh, he had in the car the gun. He did, but, guns. but I don't think he picked it up, did he? We never saw him he use did, the. Gun he left gun. it. Yeah. yeah, he did have that. Yeah, that golden gun. Um, wait, so a a family mask like when we saw this mask in the car it was very structured right like yeah. it it was it a built in mm-hmm. front of the face like this is it's not necessarily a ski mask but it's also weird because his whole thing is he he's kind of anti masked superheroes so for him to don a mask himself seemed a little bit contrary to his his whole mission statement but i don't think it's the mask i think it's the superpowers he has a problem with mm yeah, it does look like those uh, when you see the behind the scenes on Spider-Man and he has the eyes popped out of the mask. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like the shape of it. It's got the form, but you're like, oh, it's exposed. It is a, a crazy idea, though, that, you know, he was royalty of a country that no longer exists, but yeah. he still has all the money and all the resources of, you know, that former position. Man, I love, though, that he's Baron Zemo because that in the comics, he's he's a German Baron. He's Baron Zemo. And I love that they got the name in there. That's a clever way to do it. Rich says that justice in German is justice. Oh, okay. Well, that makes mm. sense. There you go. Maybe, maybe this is this is justice that he's getting out of, of prison because he was the good guy in Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how do we feel about? Um, how do you guys feel about uh, Daniel Burrell's portrayal here and um, and Baron Zemo? I guess. Um. So I do have a glaring question. I think Mike's brought up on one of the previous episodes, though. But when we last saw him, he was suicidal. He was listening to that voicemail. He had a gun to his head. And then T'Challa stopped him uh, from killing himself. So the you know there is a question, like, what is his motives? You know, when that guy goes into jail, like, what happens in jail where he's like, OK, now I want to come out and be a super villain again. Um, it does seem like kind of a little bit of a soft reboot for the character like this is what i would imagine the character would be like from you know the stories in the comics uh but it does seem like it's a little disconnected from civil war 
I actually thought I thought they did a good job of, of swerving into that because in the comics, he is uh, the grandson of a Nazi war criminal. His his whole hatred of Captain America is based on his, his father getting killed by Captain America, and it's he's a very different character. He's like the South American Nazi guy, and so here dressed like a South American Nazi right here. Here his whole, <laughs> his whole motivation is that super soldiers ruin the world, superheroes ruin the world. And so, yeah, it feels like the way you get that guy out of his, like, sitting in jail, stewing, his mission's completed, but, you know, he was he was ready to die, is to go, hey, there's like 20 super soldiers and a super soldier serum out there. Do you want to help us stop it? I thought that was the perfect way to get him out. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like the actor a lot. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, Will, you were talking about it in your in your snap judgment, how he plays off of Sam and Bucky. It's a great three way dynamic because both of them are brothers that are just kind of snip, snip, snipping at them. And now they both have a foil to kind of direct a little bit of that hostility toward to unite them. But at the same time, Zemo, in a way, feels kindred to them like we we've all gone through. um a, a shared kind of uh, a trauma and and there's something relatable about all all of them that it doesn't feel like in a lot of other um I, you know i think like uh what another 48 hours or something 48 hours yeah like, yeah you know, it doesn't feel like we're dragging this this nuisance of a of a bad guy that we have to constantly berate the whole time instead it's just kind of like there's respect there <laughs> zemo's the joe pesci he's from lethal weapon 2 Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually, difference. I adored the scene on the jet um, where we, we find out that when that Bucky's notebook, it's not just like Cap's notebook. It is Cap's notebook, that that's what he's carrying around. Right. What a great reveal. And I love that Zemo has listened to Trouble Man. And he's like, he's like, no, it's genius. What are you? And, and Bucky's like, I, I liked it. I like my run gay. And I love Sam having to be like, oh, God, he's it's Zemo, but he's right. He's right about Trouble Man. Like that was such a great little sequence, and it was yeah. such a great little character moment. When he's like, "Oh yeah, it, it definitely captured the African American experience." Yep, he's yep. like, "Oh hey, you're out of line, but actually dead on." But you're right. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the whole exchange there was great. But I thought one of the more poignant exchanges between all of them was right at the very end when Zemo is. He's reflecting on what happened to Sokovia afterwards, which I think this might be the first time we really learn about this. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Sokovia, after it was, you know, rubble and they're trying to rebuild, it was already like attacked and divided up by the neighboring countries. So, so Sokovia itself is like no more. Mm-hmm. It is it is an afterthought, and not only that, but there's a memorial, and he says like to to Sam and to uh, to uh, Bucky, like, did you guys ever even go visit that? And they just kind of nervously are like, "Oh, nope." <laughs> they should have been, been like, uh, "I got, I was gonna, and then I got dusted. I couldn't." I totally, saw. man. I, I I got it in my notebook here. I was like, "It's on my notebook." <laughs> He's right. Real fast. Excuse. But that little exchange there seems like such a continued like condemnation of what superheroes are and they they don't reflect upon the the wake of of chaos that they're sowing in this world which is in a way ju- further justifying zemo's whole outlook on 
superheroes. Well, and that's a not a civil war too. You remember one of the one of the moments with Viola Davis coming to Tony Stark and basically kicking up the whole thing with my kid got killed in Sokovia or my kid got killed in the Wakandan embassy or wherever. No, it was Sokovia, wasn't it? Wherever he was. He, yeah, it was Sokovia. Yeah, he was, he was, student, he was in Sokovia. on a trip. Yeah, yeah. and he, you know, my kid, my kid got killed there, and and you guys don't even know his name. And I think that that's an interesting nod that basically that the the Civil War was all about like the consequences of, of superheroism, and that they want to make the point that neither Cap nor Tony was entirely right or entirely wrong. Wasn't there a big gift with like kind of superhero movies doing this large scale destruction when Man of Steel came out and they yeah. just like leveled the city? It's like I feel like after that. The internet has always been like, what about the bystanders? How many yeah. people were in that building? You, well, now you have these throwaway lines where it's like, oh, we had to clear the city. Or in the case of Soviet, like that whole sequence was them evacuating people from that uh -huh, city before uh -huh. they just blasted it. I think that's one thing that this show is doing really well is just exploring the consequences of these uh, insane superhero events. Like the blip, you know, in the comics, when you read Infinity Gauntlet, everyone just forgets about it. It doesn't even matter that that happened. And then here they're really doing some world building about what it would be like if people left for five years and came back and, you know, the whole GRC and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you think that they shot that stock footage or do you think they got that stock footage from different websites <laughs> for that introduction GRC video? Because yeah. I'm going, I've never seen these stocks before. And I, I go through my fair share of stock footage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Marvel just creating stock footage. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the, the GRC, what a great idea. <laughs> uh, you mean as far as like the show or like? For the, the show. For the show. Yeah. I, I, the, the notion of sort of one of the big questions that, that came after Endgame was I was like, wait a minute. So people came back or like, did people get remarried? Uh, what you know? What happens if you blip back in your apartment? Like, they're, and they're actually dealing with the. They they have it. They say though, like it was a great thing that that happened, but a lot of people didn't come back, and you know, a lot of people came back to much difficult situations. And I thought addressing that in a semi-realistic way, without getting into you know, well, the rope planet rotated, so they all re, re, uh, reappeared in space and and, and and died. Like that, I don't need. I don't. I don't need that. I don't need that kind of realism. But the, but the, hey, maybe you came back and your wife was married to somebody else. Or maybe you came back and someone else had your job because they assumed you were dead and moved on. Like, I like the idea of a big council, a big, like, global thing that is this trying to fix that. It feels like the kind of thing we've seen with uh, disaster you know, efforts and pandemic efforts and that kind of thing in the real world. I thought that was a, a nice nod. Would you like it as much if you knew this goober? was an operative of the, the <laughs> man that scene where the dude spits in his face Wyatt Russell is looking scary yeah like I'm starting to see the character turn happening and what a great way to contrast him and, and Steve Rogers because Steve Rogers would never have been that guy he would never have like thrown a random shopkeep against the wall mm -hmm. nor would would uh Steve like try and uh swing not only his dick but the country's dick as far as like do you know who you just spat on this is a yeah. very <laughs> yeah it, it was a very this is this is how a spec op soldier is different from a world war ii you know frontline soldier like right. cap they yeah, yeah, they, yeah they they definitely are, are showing the difference and i mean 
he's got this this intensity that I'm, I'm curious how it's going to continue building here if, if we're just kind of seeing these glimpses but you know they're, they're also just like dabbing this in and the writers are trying to push us and make us unsure of how to feel about the character right you know something weird about the the mask that he wears i i think one of you guys pointed out like he looks like a goober you know they make the eyebrows like really bulbous yeah but when that mask gets in the dark and you don't see those eyebrows and you just see his eyes it actually looks kind of scary like it, in that scene where he gets spit in the face it's like yeah. kind of a clever because i kept looking for the goobery part of the mask yeah. but they have him little funny in a lot of these i think whenever it's in the dark and you just see the eyes, it's more menacing. It's great costume design because you can have him be the the goober you want to punch in the face, or you can make him look sinister. And that's and the way you shoot him, the way you light him is important. Yeah. We, we got yeah. another crazy theory here from Dennis McElwain who says, <laughs> Do you think New Cap will be a cross between Nuke and US Agent, like the MCU has done with other characters? Okay, if we want to talk theory, I actually Ooh. have I actually have one. I think that John is gonna get badly injured in the next episode or two. And is going to realize maybe thrown down with flag smash or whatever. And I think he's going to decide he needs super soldier serum. And I think that's what's going to send him on the sort of unstable path that he goes in the comics. And I think that by the end of this, he will wind up being like a free agent, like U.S. agent. What about how they talk about how they did tests on him or something like that in the previous episode? Mm -hmm. And he's already like basically superhuman. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some theories like he's a mutant or like maybe he already had some other kind of serum or something. What do you think about that? I think he's just got to be sort of peak human. I think that he was supposed to be like a, the best, the best, you know, special ops soldier kind of thing. I had thought maybe that it was like that he had already gotten his powers from power broker. That it was a secret and That's they were just, and they were just lying about it, but I don't think so. I think, I think he's gonna, we're going to find out that he has limits and he's going to get hurt real bad. That's you know, if I could tack onto your theory, um, they have shown, uh, well, I've seen like some stuff, the footage of when Sam gives the shield to the Smithsonian, you actually see in the foreground, like an injured vet or like somebody who's got their beret on and is in a wheelchair. And it looks a lot like those leaked photos that we saw of a U.S. agent when he is like kind of like all beat up and stuff. So I'm wondering if it's exactly what you said, but maybe it's happened before this. Maybe. And yeah. uh, it coincided with them getting the shield back. By the way, Will Morris in chat uh, correctly calls me out. Viola Davis is um, is Suicide Squad. Alfred Woodard is the State Department uh, in Marvel Universe. Says you get one, Randy. He's correct. He's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're both government badasses. All right. <laughs> um, so while we're on the subject, well, we were on the subject of the the GRC. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the flag smashers because it we were discussing before how we might have them a little bit um, incorrectly defined like we're, we're assuming they're just like this big bad villain but then we saw the the local townsfolk calling them robin hood mm -hmm. and they're fighting against a world where you know there was 50% extinction on the planet and the world had to move beyond these artificial uh, borders of, of nations to just survive and work with each other. And then you get to the point where um, everyone shows back up 
and it, it's back to same old, same old. And I can understand some people being like, no, fuck that. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think then we're, we were kind of left in this position where we are like, are we rooting for them? Uh-huh. Is this kind of like new cap? Are we rooting for him? Is he good guy, bad guy? Um, but then we see a scene where they <laughs> not only steal a bunch of stuff, but she's like, and we're going to bomb it for good measure and, and kill a bunch of people because we have to make this serious. We have to up the stakes. If you yeah. really want to, you know, there's no half measures here, Randy. <laughs> they, they did a good job of like of setting them up as like hey you know what the notion of like a world without borders that's not the craziest notion in the world and yeah they're stealing from they're stealing from stockpiles but they're given to refugee camps and they sort of be of the people they're, they're doing a little bit of that antifa thing it's like oh yeah maybe you know maybe they they make the the, or, the government com- uncomfortable but uh but they're probably pretty much good guys and then she just blows up a bunch of people and like oh okay then <laughs> right nicole jackson says i think carly's going in a bad direction becoming what she hates because that's all they understand Mm -hmm. and yeah it kind of feels like that right well there's an interesting thing with the super soldier serum which whatever's like inside you is elevated so when the abomination gets it in the hulk movie you know he had like all this you know rage and resentment inside him and it just blew up mm-hmm. and when steve rogers gets it you know he's like this wholesome person that just explodes what if she had like this little dark side inside her that she didn't know about and now it's starting to come out because getting this the serum it's bringing that part of her out well if that's go if you go back to first avengers uh erskine says that to cap he talked when he's talking about red skull he's like the serum elevates what you already yeah. Well, you already are. That's totally mm. MCU canon. Yeah, yeah. And wow. that seems like most normal people, they have a little bit of that in them. And it's always like, you know, tamping that down. You know, this seems like an opportunity for her to like, you know, let her freak fra- uh, flag fly. Freak flag fly. <laughs> when, they're, when they're in Latvia, the I, I, I don't think I even wrote down the name of this character, but the the person they were trying to find that ends up dying in Latvia that Carly's mm-hmm. beside, is that her mom? Well, her I, name's Donia Madani. Donia Madani. I, I, it's I, very unclear what their relationship is. Yeah, it seems like maybe a mentor or a mom or adoptive mom or something like that, yeah. But are we all supposed to read that Carly and the rest of the Flag Smashers were basically muscle for hire in Madripoor? And that's how they came across um, the doctor who was able to kind of remake the super soldier serum. Well, it seems she it, it seems like she was working for him. It seems like, yeah, they were working for him as, as muscle for her or something. Maybe she was an intern. I mean, we don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> right. Do you think we're going to get like a lost style flashback then? I like it. <laughs> Maybe, but I feel like we know all we need to know. So I'm not sure. I do think the the identity of the power broker is going to be a big uh, reveal. In fact, I thought we were going to get it this episode, and yeah, it took me a minute, but it's like, oh no, nope, not this one. Grant <laughs> thinks maybe we did, and I think he may I'm be lower right. my eyebrows here. I raised them up a little bit higher. Grant has a theory oh. on, on who the power broker is, and I actually I had the same thought. It's it it's a very different way to go, and I'm not sure if I like it, but it's a very interesting idea. I, I would Baron just, Zemo. I, I, nope. I would like to point, bring up this oh, uh, yeah. image. Oh. Nothing. Oh. I've been on Reddit. There you go. <laughs> but I would like to say the name of the episode was Power Broker, and yet seemingly we didn't seem to see 
the power broker show up, although right. rumored. And then we get a very interesting scene with, oh, by the way, Sharon Carter shows up and it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, she seems to be in a very p- powerful position in high Madripoor or whatever you called it. Um, high town, high town, low town. Yeah. And she also um, has this very curious exchange she already knew like the guys were showing up like Sam and Bucky. She's there ready. Yeah. Uh, with a, like, maybe she had someone else to be the sniper looking for them. And then she's elsewhere, like ready to uh, pick them off. Um, I don't know. It seemed like she was just like very conveniently in the right places at the right time for those mm-hmm. situations. But then later she gets in the car with her assistant or whoever's driving. And she's like, Oh, we have something to discuss that seemed a little bit bigger and heavier. It seems like she's, a bigger player like puppet master here in this whole scenario for me, which made me think maybe she's a power broker. So Sharon Carter did have a period. She was, she was dead in the Marvel universe for a long time. And then Mark Wade brought her back as a, basically she was, she had been left out in the cold by shield and she had become sort of this embittered spy and came back into, into Steve Carter's or Steve, uh, Steve Rogers life. And slowly but surely became like his girlfriend again and became a shield operative again. But for a long time there, when she first came back, she was like this embittered spy who hated shield and everything. It's still for her. She left out, left out in the cold. And it feels like that's where they're going with this. Like she, she got abandoned by all her friends and just thrown out and nobody came for her. And the notion of like her going bad and becoming power broker, man, I, uh, it, it turns that character into a very different character, but it'd be kind of badass. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like when she's talking about like, do you guys know what happened to me? Y'all left me pretty high and yeah. dry. Yeah. And I was I was feeling for her at that point. I'm like, yeah. yeah, they did. Like, how do you come back and be like, oh, she totally was instrumental in in helping us to survive, and yet she's just like having to lay low in Madripoor while I was able to return back to society. So my only question about her, if she's the power broker, doesn't she help them find the scientist guy? Maybe yeah, she wanted and, him gone. But why would she? Well, and, she can't make any more power, any serum. Like that's that's her business. Well, think about well, uh, think about breaking Breaking Bad. I mean, that by the way, this felt a lot like Breaking Bad. A little Bad. bit Breaking yeah. Bad. That was uh, definitely their super lab. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I'm now I'm blank. Oh, guess. Uh, yeah. Think about how he ended up putting hits on his own men, right? Yeah, like, yeah. There, there's yeah. some other strategy at play at a certain point where right. you read the situation and you're like, okay, either I can maybe return to power and I can leverage what I have back in the states if I if I am granted uh, immunity again, like in some sort of like kingpin way, mm-hmm. or maybe the play is that like we already have what we need from this guy. If you guys eliminate him instead of that being on me, that deflects that sort of attention. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm yeah, not- I also think that um, the power broker potentially could deal in a lot of different ways of gaining power, not just the serum here. So in one way it could be like, Hey, we need to, he just lost me, you know, 12, 12 hits of the, the, the super soldier stuff. So I need to go and focus on some of these other ones. Because I, I think in the comics, she get, the power broker kind of divvies out some more like exotic powers. Isn't didn't the Falcon get his power from the power broker in the comics? No, no, he didn't. No, no. Was it the was it Flores? Falcon. Yeah, got, I was going to say. Oh, the second oh, yeah, Falcon, the, the new Falcon. Yeah, you're right. He did. He yeah, did. yeah, you're right. Yeah, new Falcon got yeah. It. 
I didn't I take notes, but I researched. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it could go that way. It could. Um, now, Kern's saying, I'm thinking the power broker may be the Zola All. AI. Zola AI? Yeah, That's interesting. for you, Randy. What's that? Now, Zola, yeah. Zola AI got, was in Winter Soldier. Remember, it got it got blowed up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that was, uh, um, what's his Toby name? Jones. Toby, Toby Jones. Jones as a robot computer dude. It's hard to fully kill an AI. That would be a bit of a deep cut, but I'd kind of like it. What is we, what is we, for sure, Power Broker is not going to be a random dude in a suit like he is in the comics. I think uh, I think they're definitely not going that route. We had a Total Westworld season three when uh, everybody was like, get these guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to escape and the cell phones are all going off. Rich Murphy says, it would be in the Power Broker's best interest to direct Sam and Bucky towards the Flag Smashers. She might not have been able to foresee what Zemo would do, though they should have. They should have. I I foresaw it. Come on, we all knew he was going to kill that guy, right? The last thing Zebo wants is more super soldiers. This uh, he had the gun out. I knew he was going to kill that guy the minute they found him. I love that. Not only did he kill him, but then went, "Whoops, that was a one and done." <laughs> <laughs> get now, guys. You can totally trust me. Yeah, I'm yeah. To trust, but I'm good now. That was. I, I just had to get out of my system. <laughs> By the way, I'm kind of buddies on the plane. Let's I'm surprised they're still together. I thought that once the thing blew up, that Zemo was going to flee and just that he was out of prison and we'd never see him again. Because he put his whole costume on. It's like, okay, yeah. this is his moment. Yeah, I thought he was gone. And he came back for him. Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, all right. Right. Can we, Um, I we're kind of bouncing around here because I wanted to jump back and talk about Madripoor itself. But yeah. you did mention the entire thing exploding. And then these guys roll out like, just dust their shoulders off, no injuries. What <laughs> They're <laughs> superheroes, Grant. <laughs> the lethal weapon Damn, of it all. Isn't <laughs> Sam doesn't have powers. Sam's a superhero. He's the Falcon. <laughs> yes, but all you need to do is have a code name. Sharon is Agent Thirteen, or possibly the Power Broker. They've all got code names. Explosions can't kill you if you have a code name. I need a code armor. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so let's go ahead then and jump back to Madripoor. I was so happy. I was so happy to see Madripoor. Uh, it was cool seeing it. It is uh, like a really fully realized, almost almost has like this kind of like cyberpunk vibe going mm -hmm. on to it yeah. with like all the neon colors and yeah. how everything just pops there. It looks gorgeous, and it was a uh, a lot of fun. Like here's a here's a picture of Madripoor from the comics. I think we pulled up. Wow. As well, I got kind of an Akira vibe from that beginning scene where they're like going under the bridge, mm -hmm. then the like biker gangs come in, yeah. You know, right. and then like you're saying, like it definitely has a cyberpunk aesthetic, which I think you know that's cool, yeah. There was always a little bit of sci fi in uh, in the original Madripoor stuff that Claremont and uh, Buscema created in the Wolverine comics for sure. Um, super cool. We then see the the crew with Sam wearing. Such a I, I wish I had a better picture to show <laughs> of, of Sam's outfit here. I love this. It's like this just fantastic gaudy suit. It's really loud, and he's like, oh man. A smiling tiger. <laughs> I, he's he's playing a guy named Smiling Tiger, which uh Randy, you provided this image. I, I forgot. I, kudos, kudos to Entertainment Weekly. I had forgotten this. He sounded familiar. I'm like, Smelly Tiger, I recognize that. This guy was from one of the comics I read in college, The New Warriors. Uh, 
he is a he's a member of a bad guy group. Uh, I think they're called the the Shining something. No, the Folding Circle. Uh, he's a pretty. You want to talk about deep cuts? This is a like. There's there's D list. This guy's E list. Like <laughs> that is super deep cut, and uh, I, I'm here for it. I mean, I, I loved that. So yeah, I, I thought the the scene where they go up to the bar mm-hmm. and the bartenders, you like, you want your usual. <laughs> I was immediately reminded of the Ghostbuster line of uh, if a God asks you, wait, wait, now I'm forgetting the line. Someone uh, asks you if you're a God, you say yes. You say yes. <laughs> if, if you're in disguise and someone says, do you want the usual? You say no. That was an Indiana Jones moment where he cut that snake. I was like, I going to start crawling on the counters. <laughs> just, you got to eat it with remember. chopsticks. He's like, mm, this is, oh man, I love it. What I love is Zemo just shooting it. Didn't think about it. They yeah. really, they really made Zemo pretty awesome in this, in this episode. I like, they, they made him a guy, they, they fleshed him out a little bit. They're like, yeah, okay. So this guy did kill T'Challa's father and like kill the bunch of people. Like he's a bad guy. But instead of that, you know, other than that, he's, he's pretty charming and, He's, he's, he's bad, got a he's fun. He, he, tra- he traits his butler slash pilot well, so you know <laughs> they make together about giving rotten food to uh, Sam and Bucky. It's fun. <laughs> it's pickled. <laughs> ah. uh, Dennis says, uh, "Did anyone see some of those Easter eggs from Mad Report?" Which uh, yes, yeah, indeed, we have some um, shots here. Which uh, there's a, a bar called Princess Bar. Princess Bar. This is uh, this was. When uh, Wolverine takes on the patch identity at Madripoor, he owns the Princess Bar. Or I think, if he's not the owner, I think he's like the co-owner, or he is the, it's the Humphrey Bogart riff. It's just a Humphrey Bogart riff. Okay, okay. It's, it's a Casablanca see, thing. We also see this place, which got a purple monkey on here. Yeah, the Brass Monkey. Okay. Which um, is, uh, appara- apparently comes from a uh, Mark Gruenwald uh, Captain America issue, which is funny because I've read that most of that run and I don't remember it at all. So it's another pretty deep cut. Okay. Well, that's yeah. an awesome logo. Yeah. 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 It looks like a also stream logo or something. <laughs> they had some really cool monkey skulls in the bar too. Mm-hmm. Like the whole set design for it was like, definitely we talk about, this doesn't look like a TV show. This looks like a movie. Like that's one of those levels where like the set design is super cinematic. Yeah. Will Morris says Sam was pretty bad undercover. <laughs> on an undercover off. Oh right, the guy who got his butt kicked by Ant Man. <laughs> we weren't supposed. To, we weren't supposed to tell Ta- Kel Cap about that. <laughs> I rewatched that whole scene because uh, after watching the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that that whole scene where he's fighting Ant Man is just classic. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so after that whole thing goes go sideways which i i thought it was like a, a weird kind of gamble already to yeah. be like oh yeah um where you, you can have bucky give us information <laughs> yeah the, bucky was definitely not on board with that plan like, I know, he was like they're both like wait what <laughs> oh, cool with this but uh i i love um now i'm, I'm blanking on uh, the actor's name who plays bucky i love his performance and sebastian stan sebastian stan but yeah. Uh, he was great last week when he had to like be like emotionally vulnerable in that therapy scene. Mm-hmm. And then here, like how he just kind of um, switches to this kind of dead eyed, um, like aggressive yeah. soldier again. Mm-hmm. The guy's great. And he and is. 
everyone in this cast is is super captivating and i would just like to remind you once again how awful agents of shield is <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah God, i did think it was an interesting uh juxtaposition because earlier in the season we get uh the scene where bucky's like what's the plan and it's like great we have no plan so kind of this episode capping with like oh no now it's uh falcon who doesn't know the plan <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah i'm I'm gonna roll with this but you you kind of have to just hang on yeah yeah they're they when they talk to the when they they go through whatever whatever path leads them to that doctor i guess they got the little intel and the doctor says this like he first off says this line of like they're threatening him he's like well how about you give me a better offer they don't yeah. really do that <laughs> i thought there was gonna be something else interesting going on there with yeah. this guy when he kind of does this counter i'm like oh no he just wants to be like bought out by by something else he highest bid or whatever yeah sure but uh no, he's just he ends up dying. But before that, he's talking about he, he talks about uh, how the reason they were able to get um to kind of re reinvestigate re the the super soldier serum was they got blood from another soldier and I guess what they're alluding to as was pointed out by by Sam later is that it's um Isaiah again. Isaiah yeah. Bradley. Yeah, that's where the super soldier serum come, comes from. Yep. Because, like, where the, I guess they had access to Cap's blood, uh, presumably, and that wasn't something that they were able to figure it out from, but they were able to figure it out from Isaiah's blood. Well, because Cap's blood was stabilized by the Vita rays, and then they lost him. So they only had so much of his supply to work with, and you assume they destroy it when they're when they're working with it. So somehow they got enough to give Isaiah the serum. Oh, and that's what he was talking about. Like they, they, because he says that line, they took my blood. But yeah, it was more like they were like taking a lot of my blood. Yeah, it's he was like basically in a prison hospital, and they probably would come in. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the hospital for an extended time, but they take your blood like five times a day. I've never been. So to a <laughs> probably he was in the prison, and like a couple times a day, someone would come in and take a whole bunch of his blood, and probably for years they did that because they needed a bunch of blood to make it work. I'm wondering if we're going to get a flashback to that, or again, if they're going to decide this is a like, ah, you've got enough information. You don't need to see it. You don't actually need to see it. I mean, there's doesn't, only episodes. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like much of a flashback show. So do you, I got the impression that Isaiah was like a test subject, and then they used like the results from him to give the serum to Steve. You think right. they were trying to like recreate another one? I think so. In Ooh. in in truth, in the in the comic, this is all based on. Yeah, the uh, the super soldier serum was developed by kind of a Tuskegee experiment that was basically done to uh, African American soldiers against their will, and Isaiah was like the success, and then they used that to perfect the super soldier serum and give it to a white soldier because you know, right? Of course, yeah, because because that's how the U.S. government rolls. Yep. And uh, I think in this one they're going a little different. I it feels to me, and I could be wrong, but it feels to me like Steve was in fact the first success, and then they did take his blood. Um, during Captain America: First Avengers, they were taking some of his blood uh, to, and, you know, when he was doing the tours and all that stuff. And that's one of the things they were doing was trying to recreate the serum. It was like that's what they thought he was good for. So they had some of Steve's blood to try and develop a serum with, and it seems like they maybe that Isaiah was their only success. Mm. But I don't know. Again, all this is fuzzy because also somehow Hydra has a version of it 
that they used to make the Winter Soldier and those other Winter Soldiers. So they're a little fuzzy on the details, and I don't know if we're going to get a full uh, evaluation of it. Wait, I, I'm I'm speaking of fuzzy. I don't fully remember how the Hulk got his powers and if that was related to Cap. To the he was he was also trying to recreate the uh, Super Soldier Serum. Mm. Yeah, but I think the abomination he got his powers from like a canister that Ross had that yeah. had said in six on it. Yeah. So the idea is that Cap is weapon one. Yeah. Um, I guess Isaiah is like one point two or like uh, you know or, wep or which weapon two. Yeah, uh, depending on where he came. No, I do think I agree with you. Like uh, that would be intense if Isaiah came before Steve. And they kind of retcon that, uh, you know, start to the MTU there. Yeah, that I mean, that was and like I say in the comics. That's what they did. I feel like in the in the MCU, they want to make Erskine and the Super Soldier program a little more noble than that, and they probably don't want to go quite that that dark with it, quite mm. that real. Right. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird if in the universe they cancel Erskine. Like, you know how you thought he was lovable? Kind? <laughs> he's canceled now. No, he's actually being racist. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Nicole Jackson's got a great uh, parallel. I Isaiah equals uh, Henrietta Lacks. I thought that was... Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, Rich Murphy says, uh, Howard Stark had a trunk full of super serum, so soldier serum as well. And that's the one that they used to make Winter Soldier. And I don't know where it came from unless mm. he was working with Cap's blood somehow. Right, that that worked for him, but then it was also a failure for everyone else yeah. in Siberia, right? So, like, the only person who didn't have like weird rage issues was Bucky. Yeah, but they mm -hmm. sure did channel some other rage issues into him being a murder machine. For yeah, him. yeah, that is kind of crazy to think that, given the whole like it elevates whatever's inside of you, you could only serum on people from like the 1940s who like don't understand the like you know horrible <laughs> reality like modern people do. Right. Uh, if you've ever had to deal with Twitter, we can't give you super soldiers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so, so much rage in you. I am I am a huge fan of the MCU, but I think this is one of the one of the places where you can look at the comics versus TV or movies. The comics have so much more room to explore this that the uh, the nature of the Super Soldier Serum and how this all works, there there would be a mini series explaining how this all worked. Like they would get into every detail because they got a lot more room to work with. Here they've got to do some shortcuts, I think, and so you've got to let people just kind of think about. Well, wh where did that come from? Don't worry too much about it. Then we may explain it later. Right. And we don't want all those details anyway. I mean, it's better to have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for we sure. We want all details. <laughs> <laughs> you want it like you want it like Lost, where they tie up every question with a needle. No, no. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Guys, I, Randy's got to go for a second. <laughs> Kicked out. It's a funny joke until I have to go and rearrange all the panels. <laughs> um. There, the sequence where they are at the um, shipping containers, I was about to say, you know, big boxy thingies. Yes. And Sharon Carter goes full John Wick Love and it. is just mercilessly slaughtering these guys. Was fucking badass. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I, was, I was watching that and I was like, Whoa, this show is a lot more violent than most Marvel shows. And my my daughter comes around the corner, she's all like, What are you watching? I was like, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, female empowerment, Dad. <laughs> I was like, 
can you please gently leave is what I think I said. <laughs> yeah. Sharon Carter really gets her due in this episode. Like she gets to be the badass. She's the one who knows everything. She's got resources. She's selling art to bad people. I, yeah, it's seeing her go this sort of like uh black market was interesting and it lends credence to the whole power broker theory. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm leaning toward, unless it's a little bit too heavy-handed, just because I know that like Marvel loves to um, do the red herrings. Steve Rogers. Old Steve Rogers is the power broker. He's sending down super soldier serum from the moon. There you go. <laughs> we, he got it from know, the Inhumans. We know who is Mephisto. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I told you, Mephisto is the boat. <laughs> he can change form. <laughs> He's got plenty of time. <laughs> Mephisto is the boat and the power broker. I think I saw the boat in one scene in Madripoor. Well, Mephisto can travel pretty far. <laughs> in, in that brief sequence that we get where Sam's talking on the phone to his sister, you can see for a second he's all like, oh, shit, I got this. I can be super uh -huh. smooth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, ah, playing off everything. <laughs> just like keeps going sideways. Yep. Yep. Talking about, I love the part where like she, she mentions Cheerios and uh -huh. everyone in Mad Report is like, no tough guy would know someone who eats Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> You're no smiling tiger if you know someone who eats Cheerios. <laughs> It's too much. Um, okay, so I guess like the last part we have is really kind of talking about this last scene mm -hmm. where once again, they are at this point of contact that they got to go talk to and Bucky pulls a, a, a quick uh, switcheroo and says, oh, I got to go uh, take a walk all of a sudden. And they're like, what? they were weirdly okay with him taking a walk in the middle of an op. Like, like, it's like, yeah. what? You're taking a walk? Fucking what if there was a lock on the door? Fucking... Like, how do you get in behind us after they let us in? Like, <laughs> we can text you the code. Like, what's, what's the plan here? They have a bathroom up here, Bucky. You can, if you gotta go. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now, nah, guys, I, I gotta go. I, I gotta go listen to some My Chemical Romance and, and just like dwell in my thoughts or something. What are you doing? But, uh, but the big reveal is that he's uh, finding all these little beads that I guess... Kimoyo beads. The what? Kimoyo beads. They are the uh, one of the big Wakandan technologies. They're for communication. They, yeah, uh, if you're poor or rich, everybody has them. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like their iPhone. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they're big. They're big in Black Panther. Like he, he uses some. Um, sure, uses them. It's it's a big thing. Are they vibranium? Yeah, I think they are a vibranium. All their tickets. That's tick very valuable based. to just be kind of leave, leaving a popcorn trail around. Uh, hope that Bucky. Uses <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we get the big reveal that this is um, Ao, who we see in Civil War. Mm -hmm. I guess she was also in Black Panther, but yeah, um, she's hot on the trail of Zemo as well, because, uh, you know, fuck Zemo. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. yeah, he killed their king. Like, <laughs> and for, for Bucky to be like, ah, let's break him out. It'll be fun. Even though he <laughs> reactivated Bucky. <laughs> By the way, this was one of those things that 
every every episode of this has some moments where I'm just like, I can't believe they're going there. I can't believe they did this. The episode two had a bunch that are just like, can't believe they're doing this. But I thought the Wakanda was going to be a one-off note. He mentioned they killed the king. And I thought that was going to be it. Like, we're not going to see Wakanda in here. And then he finds the Kamoyo beads. And, and I was just stunned that they were actually going to go there and keep expanding the story. It it goes to show these these guys are thinking about how interconnected this universe is and how many toys you have to play with. The MCU movies definitely did not leave any toys in the box, but they, they would they would go, but it was always very focused. That'd be focused on a two or three hour movie. These TV shows are a little more open-ended and it becomes a little more, more like comics where they can do these sort of smaller characters. You can throw in a, a, a Batroc in there. You can bring in fucking Battlestar of all people. Is it like, I never thought I'd see <laughs> Battlestar realized on TV and you can have Wakanda show up just for an episode or two. Like they're, they're definitely well aware that they have an interconnected universe of characters that people know and they are playing with all the toys. And I, I just, I love it. Well, what do you guys make of her showing up? What is, what do you think they're hoping to do with the story aside from just kind of examine the impact that breaking out Zemo has on Wakanda? Uh, it looks like it's probably uh, either an extraction or, well, I think if she's caught, it's definitely an extraction. I was going to say, or uh, some type of an assassination attempt like once mm -hmm. they got the information like that he was out it's like okay we're not going to let him end up in some foreign prison again yeah. uh he's going to come back home and i don't know if it's stand trial i imagine that's probably not what you know warriors with spears are thinking uh when they're hunting this guy down but you know whatever their version of justice is they want him back in wakanda yeah i have i imagine that she's going to drag him back to wakanda to, to stand trial for killing the king and it's not going to go well for him didn't go great for claw so <laughs> Yeah, that would be crazy to see a Wakanda execution. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like maybe she'll get roped into joining the mission as like as mm -hmm. Bucky kind of makes an appeal to like, here's the situation we're dealing with. Yeah, it's actually been pretty useful. I, and, I agree. And probably on the condition of like, but at the end of this, he goes back to Wakanda with me. Yeah, right. that's kind of what I Oh, yeah. Which, you know, maybe actually will work out well for Zemo because it seemed like after all the murder that Bucky committed, he found a place of healing out in Wakanda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He became the White Wolf for a bit, and it was it was good. And that was like the last place he really felt at home in that piece. But if the last shot of Winter, Falcon and Winter Soldier is Shuri going, oh, you brought me another broke white boy to fix, I will be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Just him out of the tent and they're like you no fuck you you're dead <laughs> she's like what why this is the third broken white boy you've brought me you know i have other mm -hmm. other work you know knowing mcu i would not be surprised if the next episode is like entirely in wakanda and it just gives <laughs> ao her own story where we like find out why this character is so badass and now at the end of it everybody's like that's my new favorite character because they gave her so much time <laughs> yep yep um, well, Morris points out that Battlestar is played by Heroes vet Clay Bennett. Oh, yeah. Who's nice. has survived Heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So I guess at this point, my, my question is we have, we're halfway through. Mm -hmm. We have three more episodes left. 
what do you guys what what theories do you have on the direction they're going kind of what, what are you thinking there so carly said they had one battle left before fighting the power broker in that conversation with the other super soldier guy i think his name mm-hmm. was dovich mm-hmm. and i was i don't think that what we saw at the end of this episode was that battle i agree oh right that was just a, a heist uh one of their regular go-to heists yeah right because there was some big to do made of like, you know, once we do this move, there's absolutely no going back. And I was like, was it this blowing up this building with these guys? Because to me, that's bad. But for the stakes that they're playing at, that didn't feel like the extreme move demarcation line that I thought she was referring to in the last episode. I'm so wondering I mean, if there's, I wonder if they're somehow going to like democratize the super soldier serum. If they're looking for a way to release it to the to the to the public or something like that, that could be the big no going back thing. Um, and if they're trying something that would put them right at odds with Zemo and, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I, I wonder if that's something that they're working on. Um I mean, there was there was a second where um they were outside what what's her name? Um Carly. Carly Morgenthau. Carly. Yeah, Carly is hanging out with this dude outside of the gates of where the guards are. Dovich. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the guards behind them, there's this X on the sign. That's <laughs> like, is that oh, I saw to, that. Is that nod to X-Men? And when she's talking well, about like, giving kids, these kids at this camp, um, the, the super soldier serum, is this like them trying to like lead to X-Men? No, it's not. Said, no. She also said you'd make a great teacher. I I thought of myself more as a teacher. And what with that big X in the band. So I'm like, is she gonna become an X-Man and be a teacher at the school? So look, she's gonna be right the X-Men. Here. Mephisto is the bigger? boat. <laughs> 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 We're, we're, we're breaking it down. We're figuring it out. <laughs> Perfect. Andrew Prince says, uh, is it possible the Wakanda tie-in is the beginning of Marvel continuing the Black Panther storyline after the loss of Chadwick Boseman? I wondered about that, too, if they're going to throw in a, a nod to what happened to to Because we don't know if the, what they've decided with T'Challa. We just know they're not going to recast. Right. So they, they could mention something about we don't have a king right now and we need, we need justice or something like that. I don't know if they will. I have a feeling this was all shot or planned before all that, but I don't know. I really don't know. Was, was there talk of a Wakandan TV show? Like there, there is, there? Mm-hmm. there's okay. one in development. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That may be that this, this may be the lead to that for sure. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, here's, here's one more question. Uh, do you guys think that Sam's going to get that serum? Because oh, uh, yeah. Will Morris says Sam needs that serum. You can't fight the big three without it. Maybe. Maybe. It's another it's thing. Ben, a big diversion from the comments because Sam has never had superpowers other than his ability to talk to his Falcon. But if if they do give him this, yeah, and then do you think... I feel like that would undercut his his rightful place as the heir to the the shield and what it means to be captain america is that he he can own that without having superpowers right if they give it to them it's like being like uh you were never worthy unless you had the same superpowers as cap and it's not about that it should be about his heart and that's that's, like i I don't know if they should do that i kind of agree i actually don't think we see him him getting the serum i see him being offered it and turning it down Mm. 
Yeah, and I also think that what we learned from Black Panther and all the other discovery of like vibranium <laughs> in the MCU is that the shield is kind of a superpower in itself. Like it doesn't obey mm -hmm. the laws of physics. So right. you know, even somebody without the powers can use that shield and, and do some pretty badass stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, any closing thoughts for you guys before we wrap this up? Uh, I can't wait for next week, and I'm already sad at the thought that we're more than halfway through. I want, I want this weekly until the end of time. I love this show. <laughs> this is this is so much like the it's it's the espionage cap that Brubaker was doing, uh, mixed with the Grimwald cap that was my favorite. It is somehow like everything I want. It is a buddy scenario mm -hmm. that you love. With yep. um, detective work, investigation. Un unlicensed detectives. Yeah, there's... This is Terriers. <laughs> there's no wonder you love this. For anyone who, who's unaware, uh, Randy spearheaded a podcast that was a deep dive into the show Terriers, which was a short-lived one-season-and-done one show over on FX. And uh, your podcast was Beach Cop Detectives. Yeah, you can go um, listen to every episode, and you can watch it on Hulu right now, I believe. But not the podcast, though. No, not the podcast. I mean, you can try. <laughs> He's still trying to sell that show. <laughs> not the podcast, the show. <laughs> uh, Kyle, Will, any other thoughts? I definitely, uh, especially piggybacking off uh, what Randy said, would love to see the series end, however it ends, with uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon, like, walking away, like, completely tattered and, like, you know, bullets in them. Like, you know, limping away, just cracking jokes at each other. Kind of like a version of the shawarma scene from Avengers. Bad like, or something. They... Exactly. Whatever happens, I want to I end there. Like, that's my <laughs> landing spot. That's how you fly. From now on, that's how you fly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, Will, how about you? I'm just, you know, I'm look, enjoying this ride. Looking forward to the next episode. I'm going to wait and see what happens. Try and keep the theorizing to a minimum so I can be surprised. <laughs> Me too. That's my mantra. Never theorize. <laughs> <laughs> I love the theory so much. I'm going to always theorize. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in this week uh, to join us on the pod. And uh, just a reminder to those of you listening to our uh, audio podcast that if you want to and you have the availability, we go live every Friday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time over on YouTube. You can go ahead and check us out, youtube.com slash mcupod to subscribe. You can also check us out over on Twitter at mcupod, and uh, you can follow us there to uh, you know, get little updates. Uh, we did that little other reminder plug at the top, but I'll do it here again, that if you want to help us out, there are two ways you can go and give us a five-star rating and write a little review uh, on your podcast app of choice or you could um you could uh, also i guess just share this podcast that helps a lot to tell, tell your friends but uh the other way is you can go to patreon.com slash mcu pod and make a per episode pledge uh to support us um thank you so much to you three for joining me this week on the episode uh starting with you will where can people find you Check me out at hypercastle.com or I'm on Instagram and Twitter at William Cardini. Oh. Kyle, how about you? 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Mr. Kyle Scott. Um, and then over at the TVDudes.com, also on all the social media with uh, the TV Dudes. Randy? Uh, you can find me at uh, the TVDudes.com and at RogesGalleryTX.com, which is my, uh, my store site. We also do a weekly pop culture podcast over there, too. And as for me, you cannot find me. I am laying low in Madapur, hiding out for you guys. <laughs> Uh, but we will be back next week to talk about episode four. Uh, got some more guests lined up. It's going to be a fun episode, and I hope you guys will be able to come join us. And I do not remember who in the chat recommended this last week, but I do have a, an excellent sign-off finally. Oh. Um, oh! So uh, I'm going to have to find out at some point uh, who actually suggested this. Uh, if you guys want to like email me or put a comment on the actual video later, I'll see it there. But uh, until then, we have our sign off, and that is MCU later. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> <laughs> Clap.